Welcome to Good Looking Out, episode 63, a podcast about what to eat, watch, read, and listen to. I'm Eric. And I'm Jason. Hello, man. Santos, what's, what's up? up? I'm you're, good. You're, fre- you're fresh off of My Bloody Valentine. Tell me about that. Yeah, it was killer. It was killer. Went with um, with Sir Sir Jonathan Green of the of the Greens of Pasadena. And um, of the of the famous greens of the of the greens the yep the bowling greens in Pasadena. Um, it was at Shrine Auditorium, and um, it was fucking killer, man. Um, I'd seen them once before, um, but it was not as good as this. I was really surprised at how the Shrine. I um, it. There is the Shrine Auditorium, which is like a, I think it seats like a thousand, you know, it's a theater. They used to do the Oscars there. And then there's right. the Shrine Expo Center, which JG was guessing, and I think he's probably right, was like the fucking parking garage for the theater, you know. Um, and it's it's cavernous. It's, you know, there's a huge um, main floor, and then there's a mezzanine, and it's pretty shitty. Um, but the thing is, is with that band, they're so fucking loud that they just clean everything out. It's like, it's just, it rattles fucking everything. All of the doors, literally when we were leaving, um, uh, we didn't stay for the, you know, we left a little bit early. Um, and as we were leaving, all the metal doors were just, they're shaking on their hinges they're just rattling the fucking doors. Literally, it looked like the place was going to fucking crumble. We were in the parking garage when we when we were leaving and it, we were we were two blocks away and underground and it was fucking in when they started the next track, <laughs> it was so fucking loud that um it sounded like it was in the car stereo next to us and just fucking cranked. We, we, wow. it was so fucking loud. So, and, and if you, you know, the band, it's just a, it's a yeah. wall of fucking sound. Like, I, yeah. you know, not the Phil Spector, obviously style of wall of sound, but it's literally a fucking fabric that gets unfolded on the stage and just, bl- and just dragged across the entire audience. It's punishing. It rattles all your fucking organs. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. And they are fucking so good. It's they just cast a fucking spell. It's unbelievable. Um, yeah, I mean they're infamous for having epically loud concerts, like yep. incredibly loud, like to the point where people cry and stuff like that. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, you know, it's I actually looked it up before we went just to see what the scuttlebutt was online about it and. People, there are people that consider them the loudest band on the planet right now. Um, I bet. But the record belongs to a band called Manowar, which is a metal band from um, from the south somewhere, I believe. Uh, I'm not going to start googling, but um, and they hit like 133 plus decibels at one point. And they, and they it's pretty, I mean, just from like a cursory search online, it's pretty clear that they've, they've cemented that, you know, that kind of peak and they, and they've, they claim the, tr- the, you know, they claim that proudly 
that they're you know they hit the loud they're the loudest American rock band ever. That's a thing, you know. Yeah, for sure. Zeppelin in their day were also extremely fucking loud. Um, yeah, but it was it was fucking great. It was good to see JG. Of course, um, he's just back from a little jaunt in Italy. Yeah, um, I talked to him a little bit about that. So, um, so tell me this: Is JG a, a Kevin Shields or My Bloody Valentine fan, or was he like a neophyte? No, he's he's a fan. He knows them, um, but he was never like a like a huge fan. He actually knew he was bringing up a band, um, and he's probably listening. What the fuck was it? It was um, something fifty nine. Some. Kaya, you'll when you're hearing this, Kaya, you're gonna be like, "Yeah, knucklehead, it's fucking, it's Skyflyer '69 or some fucking shit." I'm like, again, I'm all right. I picked up the phone like I was gonna Google it, but it's like I forget. But there's another band, and I'm sure somebody else listening knows more about about that. Like shoe, a shoe, a shoegaze. It's band? shoegaze, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll have to I'll have to get it from. Remember, it's like fucking yeah. sky, like I said, it's like fucking Skyflyer. That's fucking. That's the dumbest fucking thing. Skyflyer fifty nine. What the fuck is that? That's, that's not the name of a fucking band. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. It's Skyflyer. If anyone out there is starting a band and they want that name, you're welcome. Call to me. It. Yeah, you hit me on the DMs and I'll fucking license that shit. Um, you know what I noticed, and I I didn't even fucking know until I was kind of looking for parking near the auditorium and looked at their calendar and. This coming Friday, the entire Wu-Tang Clan is there doing uh, the live from the 36th Chamber of Shaolin, where wow. they, they do – they I think they – I've never seen them do this. I've heard about them doing it. He actually – RZA did a tour earlier in the year that um, didn't have all of the original members. Um, yeah. And he well, they're did. always going to be missing one. They are always going to be missing one. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. What? One of the key ones, too. Fucking name. ODB. R.I.P. R.I.P. Man, I know. I know. It's crazy how pervasive that that fucking outfit is. You know, every yeah. fucking body. Jack has had a Wu Tang shirt since he was one. You know, which right. is a grand total of three years now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he's had yeah. a couple of them, and he wears it all the time. He loves it, and people all the time will call him out, and they'll see him with a. It's funny because it gets a double take. People look at him, and they're like, "What do you know about Wu Tang? Where he's fucking four years old? What do you know?" And and he's he he throws up a Wu Tang for life. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I was gonna say, yeah, you got to teach him some way of clapping back when people question it. Yeah, that's it. He's Wu Tang for life is what he says. It's fucking great. That's awesome. Um, I'm rocking a new Zima here. Yeah, what's it called? Oh yeah, White Claw. White Claw. I think I've heard of that one actually. This is the fucking. I've made gatherings. I'm off of. um, I'm off of truly. yeah, I'm onto this. No one. more truly. I originally, yeah, I originally wasn't buying this one because um, it's uh, the other flavor is like a berry flavor, which that's not. I'm not fucking. I'm not trying to yeah. get drunk at fucking prom. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm trying to get drunk at podcast. So right, 
<laughs> um, this is a more sophisticated. That's the the ruby grapefruit. That's fucking delicious. Oh, yeah. Um, and the truly, it's it gets so fucking perfumey in your nose. It's too much. This is a nice bitch. This is literally like a, a Lacroix that you catch a buzz. Really, off. it's that. It's actually maybe even a little less than the fucking Pamplemousse. Huh. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, it's good fucking deal. good. What's um, so, what's the word out there? What's going on in the Midwest? Yeah, things are chill. We're having a good summer. Um, we went up to uh, a place on the North Shore called Wolf Ridge. That's an, an environmental learning center. Oh. So they have people come from all over the world to study... Like there were a bunch of naturalists up there who were netting and catching these like tiny little baby owls that are like, you know, this, they could fit in the palm of your hand. It's this little tiny owl. And evidently it's like the third largest species of owls. There's still like two smaller species of owls. You've never even seen. It's like the cutest little thing. It looks like it's like Japanese anime characters. Are you fucking something. kidding me? Yeah. So they actually had one there because they have, so we went up as a family. It's like a family camp and the kids did like all sorts of classes and they did a rope course and rock climbing and they learned all about these. They have a bunch of raptors and like a porcupine and stuff on staff, like the animals that they tried to rehab, but can't be released back into the wild. So yeah, it was awesome. They, they feed you, you have a cabin, like we had a two rooms and a private room in this big lodge or whatever. It was awesome. Good living up what on the, the North shore. How long were you there for a week? Oh no shit. This is a real thing. How the fuck didn't I go there? That sounds great. I don't know. Where is we, it? We just, we just found out about it. We found out about it cause we were looking for guides for the boundary waters, uh, like canoe, someone to take you okay. on a guided tour or whatever. Yeah. And they the do, outfitter. they do that as well. But yeah, they, so they do the outfitter thing, but like, the girls did all sorts of really amazing stuff. They have like a voyageur, you know, like one of those canoes that you fit like 20 people in or whatever that they used to, like a recreation of the oh, one that yeah. they used to haul furs and stuff in. Fucking A. So they went out in a canoe like that and they learned all this stuff. And this is, this is, a, of, this is another one of uh, frost. This would have been a frost vacation that I would once again fucking copy paste. Yeah. I've done that th- at least three times with you. Jack, Jack would absolutely love it. I mean, they they have these ELC places all over the United States, so you just need to look look it up. I don't know if they all have family camps, but like ELC? there's one Bain- What the fuck is ELC? Educational e- Learning Center. Environmental Learning Center. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, fucking but, a man. I'm right. Yeah. All right. I'll- this you you would absolutely love it because this Wolf Ridge one has like they have two thousand acres, which includes land on lakes. Like they have their own lakes. So we went out canoeing one night. There's kayaking. There's all sorts of stuff. You would absolutely love it. Do you remember where it is? Um, Wolf Ridge. It, oh, it, the, it, one of, yeah. Is that a place? Wolf, uh, no, it's um, uh, it's in a town called Little, just outside of Little Marae. So it's uh, like not, not just shy of Grand Marae. All right. So that's yeah, up Little there. Little Marae. It's up there. Not all the way to the Boundary Waters, but pretty far up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was amazing. Um, oh, that's awesome. And people come from all over the United States to do it. So you guys could come back. Yeah. Little, we, little we, Midwestern we, we're going to have to do, yeah, we'll, we'll um, Jack's got to get back and see people. He keeps, he keeps saying that he misses Minneapolis and misses Minneapolis. I can't tell if he's fucking bullshitting me or not. Um, yeah. cause he's, he's, I'll tell you, man, 
Can you can you hear him? He's fucking no. chopping it up tonight. That kid is all over the fucking place. All over the place. He's breaking my balls about the time he locked me in the port john <laughs> I told you about right. that, right? Well, he was doing that last time we were getting the podcast started, too. So, he, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He fucking lo- he thinks it's the funniest fucking thing. He locked me in the fart cage. And it, on the way home from school, <laughs> he was talking about it tonight. He thinks it's the funniest fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> this kid doesn't remember anything. Just little fucker. He's That's been funny. screaming all night. Um, we, um, we've been trying to get... Uh, I've been packing snacks for this kid. He's got a fucking... The, they make lunch at this school, but I'm telling you, man, I think I'm going to... It looks like some bullshit. I, I bought it for the first month, and then I started looking close, more like, look... I caught a glimpse of it today, and I was like, oh, dude, that looks like fucking what I ate in elementary school. Ooh, Which That's not good. Well, yeah, you can only fucking imagine, yeah. you know? It, in, we should have moved forward as a society. In 1982. <laughs> yeah. No, he's fucking eating the same thing. Um, but I was... I, I'll be honest. When I looked at it, it was, it was fucking terrible. But I was like, I will fucking eat that so fast right now. Um, it was full. It was a bunch of taquitos. Which I love mm. a fucking taquito. Love a taquito. But I'm on I'm I'm on the uh, the no carb no not no carb but like super low carb high fat pr- program right. again not necessarily okay. high fat but the but um you know because that's hard to eat a fucking shit ton yep. of fat it's like high protein you're getting it's mostly protein fats little fruit little veg in veg you're supposed to get your the little carbs you get you get from vegetables right that's it yeah that's that's all it is um and do you know what i i found myself eating the last couple three days is i got um i got a a pound of cold of turkey from just whole foods sliced turkey which i used to get all the time in minneapolis it was fucking great the one here sucks ass it's terrible I still fucking fall for it all the time because I want it. But the uh, the the master of the lunch is I got a fucking um, enormous jar of pepperoncini from Smart and Final. There's a Smart and Final that shares a parking lot with my favorite Thai restaurant, and um, I, I go into that Smart and Final just because it's there. I'm like, I need, I must need a fucking four dollar chef knife. You know what I mean? I got fucking ten of those now. Um, right. I just keep buy, I just buy them. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'm making. I'm gonna cook a bunch of shit. I'm buying. I'll buy another one. Um, and yeah, unbelievable. Huge fucking jar of pepperoncinis. And I powered through them, and I drank almost a pint of the fucking pickle juice. <laughs> um, it, I'm. I'm. And I, when I was doing, I was curious about you. T- tell me what your I think if I had to choose, the pepperoncini is my everyday, on-the-roster favorite pickle. Like, I can just always go to that and eat fucking ten of them. What's, what's your favorite pickle? Oh, jeez. That's a, that's a tough question. Um, are Jardinera pickled? Oh, yeah. You're They're 100%. Like, yeah. Jardinera is yeah. a fucking really good pick. Yeah. That's a nice pick because you got your cauliflower in there you've got your 
You got your goddamn carrots. Yeah. Would that have that jagged, like, cut on them? Right? That ridge yeah, yeah. cut? And you've got the peppers in there, too. They got like peppers in there. Yeah. I want to say they got um, a yeah. good one. I feel like you should have pearl onions in there. Yeah. Right? The, the pearl onions. Yeah. I have to say, though, we found, and this is, this is what I'm about to say is going to sound crazy to just about everyone in the world, but we found an amazing Korean restaurant in Cleveland. Oh, wow. Really? In, be- in between the airport and like where we always go. It's called um, Seoul, Seoul, like Seoul, Korea, Seoul Kitchen. Okay. Uh, and it's in uh, Parma, Parma, Ohio. Okay. Seoul Kitchen. We went there and man, these people do it up. So you get all the, you know how you get all the amazing pickled stuff? Totally. Yeah. Uh, I forget, there's, with, I forget what you call Korean it. Korean food. There's a name for it. Garlic tops, you get the kimchi, which is oh, like shit. fermented. You get the you... little tiny fish, right? Um, those sometimes little, those yeah. little fish. I, mean, I, I love those. Little there's fish. like some classics, and the, there's some variation. You get the thing that's like the tofu skin. We got something that looked like it looked like like glazed baked apples, but it was whoa. Um, it wasn't apples. It, oh God, what was it? Now I can't remember what it was because it's. I was like in my head. I was like, those are, look like it's going to be a sweet apple. Was it daikon? It wasn't, but it was. It was amazing. No, they had they had the daikon. They had the pickled daikon, mm-hmm. pickled like cucumbers. Um, they did this thing that I I haven't seen people do where they um, brought out egg little dishes of egg that soft cooked in a broth. In like a really stone, um, like hot stone pot, like a and then bib- that was like, for, like a bibimbap kind of like mokahete thing, sort sort of, but it was just egg, and the egg sort of like puffed up like it was a souffle or something, what? and you dipped a, dip a, dipped a spoon in it. This was like among the appetizer things. No, this, they give this to you for free. And it, was it like a dessert custard? Was it hot? Was it no. was the thing hot? It was hot. Yeah, because there was Are a broth. Are you shitting like this, me? There's the a same kind of broth. You, yeah, there's a broth. That's what the egg cooked in. It cooked the egg cooked on top of this broth, and it fluffed up, Get sort of like a souffle or, or like a custard or something. Are you, you know? shitting me? I I have been to a lot of Korean restaurants. I've never seen anyone do this move before, and it was delicious. I can't very say, pro. I, I want to say I'm picturing it very vividly in my head, and I don't know if that's making me think that I've seen it before. It's maybe like a. Like a four-inch dish, but they gave us two of them. So, you know, it'd be like the perfect size for a couple, two, three people, God, each one. You know, so there were there were four or five of us, so they gave us two. Korean it is was, fucking, It was good. It's so fucking good. And yeah. I've done – so Beth was just in Korea, and she doesn't fucking eat. So it's a waste of a trip. I don't care what kind of shit she was there, what meetings she was taking, or whatever the hell she was doing. If you're going to Korea, you're going to fucking eat and drink. Like that's yeah, your no kidding. purpose. I don't give a shit what you're there for for work. Your number one fucking goal is to eat and drink nonstop. Um, yep, and that's a place to do it. So it was wasted on her, unfortunately. Um, I gave her shit for two weeks beforehand. I picked out. I made her a, a whole list. I'm like, you got to hit all these spots. Get them. Take pictures. Show me. You know, she ate like fucking donuts. Same. She may as well never left L.A. <laughs> you know. Right, um, but I will say I have a pretty varied experience with Korean barbecue, 
from like the spectrum of like super affordable to super expensive. And I still feel like I have a huge fucking hole, like a huge gap in experiences because there's, I mean, it's a, there's a lot of depth in that fucking, in just the, in that small concept of a restaurant, Korean barbecue sounds super niche, but there's a fucking gamut. Like there's all kinds of shit. Cause you can do it like brothers on Geary in San Francisco, which is the famous, um, Korean barbecue place in San Francisco. It's the best one in town. And it's fucking gnarly. I feel like they have drop ceilings in there still. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's fucking oh, nasty. D- 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 believe me, this place in Parma, Ohio, when you walked in, I was like, holy was shit. Was it a fuck? It was like, a shithole? Oh, it is a shithole. Killer. It's in like a little strip mall, you know, It's but like it's the only place in the strip mall. Does It's kind of like <laughs> it, its own shitty strip mall. Ohio. <laughs> and, and they have, they bought out this place next to it that's like their party shop, but they just like slapped up a bad sign <laughs> on the back of it. It's like an old, looks like a shed or something. I don't know. It's like where all the Korean families have their graduations or whatever. I don't know. It was... It's like, ugh, it was a little sketchy, but I was like, I mean, you know, you and I have been through it. Oh, yeah. You, you like, eat anywhere in the mission in San Francisco in the 90s. Like, you get used yep. to, like, yeah, the just because the place looks like a dirty-ass hole in the wall. Doesn't mean dick. Doesn't mean anything. You can get the most amazing food out of some of those places. It's as much of a doesn't predictor. Doesn't mean it's not clean. Not yeah. at all, no. I mean, Toulon is the best example that I can think of in San Francisco. Um on it's on sixth street at market. So it's in the actual, actual anus of the tenderloin is sixth right. market. Sixth admission. You could argue is a bit right. closer. Yeah. Maybe sixth and market is like the taint and, um, <laughs> but it's fucking, it's so gnarly there, you know? And that restaurant is not like it's a fucking gleaming pearl in the middle of a, heard you know what i mean it's nasty too and it's right. and it actually got closed down by the board of health for um it, it, about a year they closed them down but you know i went for years there for 10 years i ate there a lot all the fucking time and right. they got closed down and i went there after all the fucking same people working there it didn't look one fucking bit different like it wasn't like it was they put in new shit everywhere and you know, invested a shitload of money into it. It was this, it looked exactly the same, you know? And that place, man, have, do you know what I'm talking about? Toulon? It's famous for, Julia Child gave it a, yeah, a review. I was just going to say, they had a thing of Julia Child hanging on the wall with her quote or review or whatever. There you go. That I have so been to that do place know it. a couple times. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. you know, I've been there a couple times. Yeah. It's fucking so good. Anybody in San Francisco, if you don't know it already, um, just quit fucking around. Quit fucking around. That's an institution in that city, and it's fucking amazing. I ate upstairs. I ate there by myself almost exclusively. If, if it was not by myself, it was like with like a bro. I'd never brought a right. date there. Unless I'd been dating you, for, you know, unless we had been dating for for some time. 
Yeah. I'm not. I, you, you aren't bringing a chick there because it's gnarly. I ate upstairs once. There's two tables. That's where up you there. go to break up. You take him there to break up. <laughs> yeah, because you know, you know, she's gonna get food poisoning, and that's gonna just overshadow anything that you're about to lay on her, right? Yeah. Um, there was. I remember there being two, maybe like two four tops, and they'd break them up into four, you know, four two tops or something upstairs yep. super small um and i went up there once by myself um and sat at the table and this is pre-iphone so it's not like you could just tune out everything around you and just stare at your phone and you know and read like you do now and just you bury yourself on the screen and eat this was before like all i did was just sit there and eat and next to me on the table, you know, on the shitty like particle board veneer, uh, like Formica table, they had dumped fucking, I swear to God, like 500 fucking wings, like 500 like pieces of chicken on this table. And dude had a cleaver Just on the table, on the table, on the table. And dude had a, had a cleaver and didn't even use a fucking cutting board and he was whacking the fucking ends off of every drumstick you know that little ball at the end of the drumstick he yeah. was fucking whacking yeah, yeah. that off or i don't know what the fuck he was doing he was just carving these bitches up and he would whack the fucking chicken but he had the fucking ancient chinese secret and he wouldn't he'd like go right through the bone and like barely hit the table so he wasn't like fucking up the table or anything and it, I was mesmerized and fucking disgusted at the same time. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm crazy about chicken. Like, I don't spill that fucking yeah. juice anywhere. Like, I don't right. fuck around. How far was this table away from where you were eating? Oh, it was three feet away. getting raw, raw chicken shit all over your there's table and your no food. There's no question. There's no question particulate is just there's a shower, a salmonella yeah. cloud. Oh, my God. God. It was fucking crazy. And not even that stopped me. I was like, there's no fucking way. The Imperial Roll at Toulon is one of the top ten things I've eaten on this planet. Wow. Yep. That is a bold statement. And I'll stand behind that. It's it's fucking unbelievable. The sauce is not like any other Imperial Roll where it's like super sweet. It's super fish saucy and kind of kind of a little stank, you know? It thing's fucking... It's no joke. And dude just fries them up and stacks them, because that's all... You know, if you're a crackhead, you're so psyched, because it's... It's 550, and they're fucking huge, and you get two in an order. And they're huge. They're, like... Um, I'm trying to think, like, how to... It's the size... Of it's a little bit longer, <laughs> like a, a subway fucking six inch. It's not that. It doesn't have the circumference of that. It's about half the circumference in the same length. The bitch is six inches long. It's fucking huge. What's in this thing? Ground pork mainly. So there's ground pork okay. um, in vermicelli and okay. Um, is deep fried? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like a giant egg roll, basically. It's like a giant egg roll, but it, the wrap is, it's fried all the way through to a point where it's almost like it, the, the bubbles on the, on the wrap are like pig skin. 
they're super crisp and crunchy. Wow. So you just crunch through it, and then the inside is hot as fuck. It's like a it's like a Vietnamese <laughs> hot pocket. It just right. fucking blasts you when you fucking eat the inside of it, you know. And then they got they you know they thoughtfully put some cold lettuce underneath it when you get it in the to go container. But like that is the best five bucks you will ever fucking spend, you know. It, it you gotta wa- I will say you gotta watch that fish sauce. They have a technique where they put it under, you know, uh, on a Chinese takeout thing where they have the wire handle at the top of the box. They have this technique where they make a V in that handle and then they wedge one of those little solo containers that they put the dipping sauce in, you know, they wedge one of those. It makes a perfect tension holder for the Mm. sauce right under there. If you don't, if you're not careful... I had it. I had it happen. Thank God it wasn't in my car. I had it happen in in somebody else's car where that thing came undone and it dripped fish sauce on the back car on the Ooh. carpet of their car. That's not awesome. Jesus, yeah, that no is kidding, not right? something you want. That's something I do to people to to when they're on the enemy list. I give I fish yeah. sauce them. So Jesus, yeah. Well, that was a fucking. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why that story made me think of this. Maybe a flashback to gross food experiences in San Francisco. When I first moved to San Francisco and I was living at 16th and Mission in this apartment, like, bad, bad scene, 24-hour fucking crack and prostitutes on my block. Did you just say this? You were in the Mission. I remember you showed me the apartment. You were in Valencia. Well, that was 21st in Valencia. That's where I moved to after this apartment. My first apartment for the first six months I lived in San Francisco was 16th and Mission. Oh, for fuck's sake. Really? Yeah. No yeah. shit. On what corner? <laughs> like where? Uh, in, the, in the middle of the block. Between 16th and 17th on Mission, on the side of the street that was towards, um, uh, towards what was the next street past Mission if you kept Valencia. going away from Valencia? No, other way. Oh, Guerrero. Anyways, it was on... Yeah, no, uh-uh. Other way. Oh, Fulton. Fold- Soma. Um, yeah. Fulton. Yeah. F- yeah. Folsom. Or it's- I think it was Fulton. No, Fulton's on the no. other... In the, anyways. In the yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it is Folsom. Um, anyways, I was on that, that side of the street, and when I first moved there... I was like getting to know the neighborhood. I found one burrito place I liked. I found this pizza place down the street that had like, I, I just moved there. I hadn't started grad school yet. I hadn't like tapped in my student loans. I was poor as shit. I had like a couple hundred bucks to my name. So I'd like, and I also didn't have anything to do because I hadn't started grad school yet. I moved there like a couple weeks ahead of starting grad school. So I'd walk around to record stores. I just like, I would pick a direction each day and I would walk a different direction and I would find all the record stores. I'd go look, look at vinyl, maybe buy a record, go home, listen to it. Um, and so I had this pizza joint and I had a burrito place. Those were my two places. (laughs) And I went in this pizza joint and they had like pretty big slices for a couple bucks a piece. It was like, you could get like two slices for four bucks or something. So I got two slices for four bucks and I sat at this table I'm sitting there, and there's a guy behind the counter, and there's a TV going. Was it Aaron Else? Guy. Do you remember if it was Aaron Else? Um, I'm not. It might have been. On, I'm not sure. It's a great. It's the best slice I know, in I know which San place, Francisco. I know. Yeah, I know which place you're talking about. That place is on. This place was on Mission. That place is on Valencia. Correct. I think. It's I on think Valencia. I, I had, 
Yeah, I hadn't found that place yet. So I was going to a different, just some like generic neighborhood place. So I'm sitting there, I'm eating my slices. And this homeless guy comes in. There's like four open tables. I'm the only person in this motherfucker. The guy goes over to the trash. He fishes a piece of pizza out of the trash. He comes and he sits down in the chair across from me. And he turns the chair and he puts his foot up on his leg. So it's right next to my plate of food. And his foot, this guy has not been worn shoes in like months. It's a club months. foot. Almost. It's a club because it's dirty, so- dirty, disgusting club foot. And he, he, he looks at me to see what I'm going to do. It's like, he's fucking with me. He's fucking you know? with you. He's fucking with me. He's like testing me to see what I'm going to do. I just sat there and ate my fucking pizza. Right on. Yeah. I did not, did not move. Right on. And the dude who owned the place wasn't paying any attention. Oh, and if he, even if he did, he's not going to fucking, what does he care? Yeah. This place was just down the street from Mission, from the, the lady who, the Thai food lady who used to be the famous singer in Thailand who had the one counter. It was like you would sit there, it had an open window to the street, and she had one counter, and you oh, could get yeah. really amazing curry for like six or seven bucks for a plate of curry. You told me about this woman, and... I have never been able to. I don't fucking remember this. I don't remember Thai yeah. food on like with a street window. That doesn't. I don't remember that. Here, I get to turn a light on. Okay. Um. So, fucking tell a story about um. About that fucking place. So this place, I would always get the green curry there. There's this woman who had moved from Thailand. She was a famous pop singer in the '80s yeah. in Thailand. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she. She moved to the States. Like, she had pictures on the wall of stuff and, um, you know, press releases and stuff from Thailand and different things like that. A picture of her record and stuff. And um, she was just making... She owned this restaurant, this smaller restaurant. And uh, what the fuck is that? It's a weed vape. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's acceptable. If you were, like, vaping cotton candy or something, that would be... (laughs) Um. Anyway, so this lady had this small counter, but she made the best curries. You could the most amazing Thai curry you'd ever get. She'd use whatever vegetables, different things, kind of every day. She'd make the curries fresh from scratch. It was like five fifty or six bucks for like a giant plate of curry and rice. God damn, so good. yeah. And you'd, you'd sit there because because it was just basically a counter. There was maybe like one two top or something, but it was this tiny little space. You'd just sit there this counter, so you'd get to know her. Because she'd talk to you like while you're eating. It was sort of like, you know, how it used to be at a diner. You were like a regular, like an old diner in the 50s or 60s. And you were always sitting at the counter or whatever. You'd talk to the wait staff or whatever. It was just like that. And you talked to this lady. And so I like found out about her life back in Thailand. And how she was a pop singer and all this stuff. And how she came over here. And I don't know. She was super nice. Holy and shit, man. And great Thai food. Um. Well, I won't bore everybody with you trying to remember exactly where it was, but I honestly, I don't know how I wouldn't have fucking known about this place. Um, it, oh, I can tell you where it was. It was at 18th between Mission and Valencia. Yeah. I don't, so how like do I not cor- know that? I mean, I know ex- every... Yeah, it was at the corner of 18th and Mission. Fuck, man. I don't know how I don't it know. Might, she might have just been run out of business. Yeah, Because, you know... Because when did you get there? 98. 
Right. By that time, the mission had already like become super. Was like on its way to seriously gentrify. No, so. no question. Yeah, absolutely was. And you know what I remember? I feel like it was in the spot. There, there is a. Um, I don't know if it's still there. Um, but there was a like ultra hip sushi place there. Um, where they would the music was super loud. They would play. Only American hair, you know, 80s hair metal. Um, God, what was the name of it? Dynamite, I want to say, or something like that. Yeah. Um, that's I, I a, know what place they're talking that's about. That's a killer date yeah. spot. Um, yeah. I took that, I took 100 dates there. That place is killer. Yeah. Super fun. That was a good spot, actually. I think I took a couple ladies there, too. That, it's that place super fun. Um, so that maybe that was it? I don't fucking know. Anyway, um... That was a all right. So before we leave the topic of uh, Asian food, I did want to mention this fucking place, man. That is, I, I got um, at least Jack and I are hooked on it. Beth won't eat it, but um, this place here in 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 LA that is only at farmers markets. It's called Dave's Fresh Foods, but he's okay. which is I mean, how does it get more vanilla in fucking nondescript than Dave's fresh foods. But the entire fucking menu and again these are these are kind of side dishes packed in small plastic throwaway containers. Dave's fresh foods makes Korean um they're vegetables that are slightly fermented, slightly pickled. He makes his own tofu. He makes a whole bunch of shit. Spicy daikon. He's got this crazy broth that he uses. It's fucking unbelievable. People go ape shit for it. If you don't get to the farmer's market early enough, there's a line. It's like, and it takes 20 minutes. Wow. It, it can take 20 minutes. Maybe, I've never sat there for 20, but I've sat there for, for at least 10, maybe 15 minutes waiting. And the people that run these booths are so fucking nice like, normally I would be like, there's no, I'm not fucking standing here. Or if I did, I'd be furious. And when I got there, I'd just be like, all right, finally here. And being a complete jerk, I, this is, you know, I know right. this about myself. But these people are so goddamn nice. You're like, you're happy to wait. It's crazy. Anyway, if you're in LA, Dave's Fresh Foods, and you love Korean, this fucking guy, unbelievable. I tried to track him down. He's like up in the valley somewhere. Pressing up fucking mustard greens and a wooden whatever the fuck you know right. what I mean. Put tomorrow. So is is everyone else at this farmers market just like I fucking this guy? Because I can't imagine that everyone else has like a twenty minute line at their farmers market stand for like Seriously. Sally's spices or whatever. It, it's fucked up, man. I'm telling you. But the thing, like I said, like I I get there early enough to not have to to fuck around with that. Like that would not fucking work. Um, but. But yeah, people wait. I mean, you know, if you don't, I try and when I look at people, it's used to be for a while, I would look at people and wonder like, are you single or married? Because I understand, (laughs) I understand what it's like to be both. And if you're married, then I understand what your life is like now because you're married, you know, I've been married for almost 10 years. So I know what it's like. And then once now I look at people, I'm like, do you, have, you definitely don't fucking have kids. Because how do you have time? Like, if you had kids, there's no way you're standing in this line. Because right. there's too much to do. Like, you need to be trying to fucking, like, f- make sure that your kids, your your 
five-year-old isn't on fucking you porn somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, you need to be parenting, motherfucker. Not waiting in line for the fucking organic mustard green with daikon fucking mix. Like, get out of here. Yep. All right. That's how I profile people. So what do you got over there? All right. So I got to tell you, um, I... I was a big fan of the Ernest Klein novel, Ready Player One. Okay. It was a real good one for me, because as a child of the 80s who grew up going to hockey rinks and playing Joust and playing Dig Dug and playing, like, all those games and watching all those shows and movies and all that stuff, like, that book for me just, like, really struck a chord. Really awesome sort of dystopian sci-fi building on, you know, things that had come before it, like Snow Crash and Necromancer and um, shit like that. You know, really solid sci-fi book. So I was cautiously optimistic based on what I'd heard from friends like Jonathan. Yeah. Our friend Jonathan Green, who saw the premiere at South by Southwest where Steven Spielberg was actually in attendance. So, So I rented this film... And, um, uh, on demand rented this. Oh, you're going for a refill. That's what you're doing. I was wondering, trying to figure out what you were doing. Yeah. Did you hear that fucking kid's <laughs> Yep. Thanks so, yeah. So I rented ready player one on demand, sat down and watched it. And so here's what I'll say first, like, if you're someone who has no investment in the book and this book meant nothing to you, you didn't read it, you didn't whatever, you just want to watch an entertaining movie, I'm sure it's a fine movie for you. For me, I feel like that book shouldn't even, the movie shouldn't even have the same fucking name as the book. It's such a betrayal of the book as far as I'm concerned. Oh, wow. All right. Sorry. No shit. Wow. Okay, I've yet to, because I have... My my buddy Nate, um, he actually assigned the book as sort of like a two person book club thing. He's like, I just finished this book. He's like, you got to go read it, and then we'll talk about it. I, I didn't read it. You know, I'm fucking that guy, right? Yeah. So, have you seen the movie? Nope. Okay. So here are my without giving too much away. Here are my main problems with uh, the Steven Spielberg movie. For one thing. He shifts all of the culture of the stuff just so he can use, like, stupid-ass special effects. So he shifts things away from, like, retro arcade games sort of things into, like, more futuristic games so he can just make this fucking visual orgasmic thing. So the whole premise of this thing is that there's this, there's this guy who is sort of like Steve Jobs meets Bill Gates meets Elon Musk, who's created this... Um, virtual world that's like taken over it's the biggest business it's like google and fucking microsoft and apple all wrapped up into one uh and this guy dies and he decides to leave his entire all of his fortune and the control of this company to whoever can whoever knows and cares enough about this world and about the things that he loves to sort of um go on this easter egg hunt in the world and find these like uh, uh, three keys that sort of unlocks this puzzle. Right, right, right. So it's this big scavenger hunt. And then there's a race in the movie between the people who love the game and are just independent players and this evil corporation who is 
deployed an army of players to try to solve it first, but because they don't actually have this pure love for it, they're at a disadvantage. They have a numbers advantage, but like a passion disadvantage. Let's let's put it. Got it. Anyways. So what Spielberg fucking does in this thing is he said in an early interview, like, oh, I didn't, I wanted to shift it away from the eighties because I felt like people would feel like I was too self-referential to my own stuff. And like uh, the content I created was such a big part of the eighties that it, it made me uncomfortable. So what this asshole fucking does is he shifts it. He turns one of the, one of the adventures or one of the key plot points into a virtual thing where they have to go into the shining. And I'm like, you don't care about this being self-referential or any, any of that kind of shit. You're just shifting this into things that you actually like because you don't connect with the things that are in the book. So he wanted to fucking pay homage to the shining and Kubrick because he's a fucking film nerd. So he just changed, he changed the culture of this book to be a culture that he either one had more interest in or two, decided that it would look more visually appealing and he also kind of wanted to shift it to make it more appealing probably to millennials who grew up playing counter-strike and shit like that so (laughs) he he not only shifted it but he like he also he made the way that they unlock the challenges like way too simplistic um, and really stupid so he just kind of like took the whole premise of the of the novel shifted the culture of it shit on the actual like challenges of it and then the other thing that was so fucking annoying and this does not exist in any shape or form in the original book is he made the guy who was uh the founder a stereotypical nerd who was socially awkward and couldn't it, like there's this big plot point about how the founder couldn't actually interact with women. And he huh. took all of these fucking nerd stereotypes and he just pushed them into this film. And I find it so, uh, first of all, it's like so simplistic, but also just like so condescending and so annoying. So not only is he shitting all over the cult, a culture that he doesn't understand by shifting all these major plot points and moving away from the actual culture of, the video games and the movies and the things that are in the book and jacking off to Kubrick right? uh, and the shining in this way that isn't even it's it's once again, it's all for like added visual interest. Like he couldn't take the stuff that was in the book and just use that as a uh, problem to solve and like make that stuff visual interesting. He just had to move all of the stuff to shit that he knew would be like a fucking walk in the park. Well, let me let me so, let me ask you this. So you, um, you, let me let me pose this to you as in. I'm curious to hear you. You're offended because the the adaptation was appropriated, misappropriated in your estimation, um, for a completely different purpose than what the the actual book was about. Right. So it, and, on a and, on a sorry. Go ahead. And also, I think he just felt like there wasn't enough of a sentimental arc in the book for him. So he layered in this idea of this, like, the nerd who missed out on his chance at love because he was too awkward to, like, take the risk and actually kiss the girl. Bummer, really? And he turns that into, like, a major plot point in the movie. Well, let me ask you this. Who wrote it? Do you know who wrote it? Who wrote the actual script? Yeah, uh, for the movie, I don't know. That's a good because I just took I just did a quick cursory look to see if it was the if it was Ernest Klein, the original author. 
Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, like I said, I'm not going to get deep on a Google search here, but cause here's, there's, I got two kind of not rebuttals cause I haven't read the book. I haven't seen the movie, but one, and it gives you an interesting point of view. Cause I wonder what, like one, just from a, a philosophical film question sort of point of view, like it, what does a film owe to a book when it's an adaptation, like it, you, a book is written for a different purpose and a film is made. So if you're making a movie about a book, you know, it, to, at what point is it, you know, a thought starter or a, you know what I mean? Or, you know, an inspired by sort of adaptation as opposed to like the truest sense of the book. Like maybe it's fine. I mean, Klein fucking optioned it and he, you know, and I don't know what yeah. role he had in the adaptation. So right. Well, there's definitely the the Stephen King point of view on this from a writer's, and I obviously am looking at this from a writer's perspective and someone who fucking loves books. And I'm sure JG is going to listen to this and roll his eyes as a filmmaker and someone who fucking also jerks off to Stanley Kubrick. Um, right. And say like, yeah, who cares? Um, so the Stephen King's point of view on this whole thing is. Um, he, there's a famous writer named George Pelicanos, crime writer, you know, from DC yeah, responsible for the wire and a lot of other shit, really good writer. And he said, what's, I read an interview, what Stephen King said to him, cause he had this problem where, um, P Diddy optioned one of his books, King sucker man that has like a 60s sort of black exploitation sort of soul music like culture thing going on. And P Diddy really wanted to do this book. And when P Diddy was pitching him on what he was going to do with the movie, he was butchering the whole thing and just doing all this really misogynistic stuff. And he missing the whole point of the book and the narrative to the point where George Pelicano said, fuck you, man. Like you can't have this book anymore. I'm going to take it away from you. <sighs> and he, he was talking to Stephen King about this. And what Stephen King was like, you know what? The way I've always looked at this thing is they can, take take the money cash the check and they'll go do whatever they want don't even be involved is is my was what i've usually really done. and is usually the best point of view because whatever sh- shit they put on the screen they can't change a word of what you wrote wow yeah right so there's definitely that point of view that's like well whatever they're two different things but i think and i'm Certainly there have been enough poor adaptations of books and there's always a challenge of when you have a book that's over a couple hundred pages, there's so much material that there's no way you're going to get it all into the movie, you know? So there's definitely that challenge. Right. And I understand like shortening something for time and I can see why shorter novels make better movies. Like, you know, we've seen stuff, um, recently, um, like what was the, Dennis Lehane, uh, yeah, with, the 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 one that the book was based in Boston, but the film was they, in they Brooklyn. They moved it to Brooklyn. It's got with Tom Jay, Hardy and Gandolfini. Gandolfini. It was like his last film. You, anyways, you, I bought that book when I was with you in, yeah. I think in like St. Louis or Cleveland or something like that. Anyways, read it's it. a book you can read in like one sitting. I read it. I read it. So I, I picked it up at the bookstore and I finished it. By the time we landed in Minneapolis, right? I read. It. That's how that's quick I read it. It was just, not it a was long flight. The, the last film that Gandolfini did. Yeah, 
Anyways, so you have a novel or you have a Philip K. Dick short story. Those make, like, perfect lengths for film because it's the right amount of material. So I understand the challenge of, like, most novels or most books, there's way too much material to put in the movie. So you have to take, like, the major points and some stuff hits the... doesn't even make it into the script, let alone the cutting room floor. So I understand that. But I think this this book... There's something about it that feels like a betrayal of the culture of the original book and a mishandling of the culture of the book that I find actually offensive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, I, I, I can hear what you're saying and, and something that just completely ignores the spirit of something. It's hard to like claim any like relationship there because you've, you right. missed the fucking point. It sounds like that's what it sounds like what you're saying. Right. To me, what it, what it, if I was Ernest Klein, I would look at this and be like, oh, you wanted to buy this thing because you saw it as a nice vehicle for visual gimmicks. Yeah, right, right, right. Fucking, yeah, no shit. I got to see it. Um, so it's obviously, um, yeah, you know, I've like seen I, it when I've been flipping around. And like I said, it's pr- there are probably tons of people out there who will never read the book who watch this thing and are like, yeah, it's a pretty good film. I mean, either way, even if you hadn't read the book, I don't think anyone is going to think this is an amazing film. So I don't know what to do now. I mean, it, the easy thing is to watch the movie. Do I? I should read the book yeah, though, right? The book is way better. The I book, think. obviously, right. But um, yeah. what do you? What's your suggestion to me? Should I watch the movie first and then read the book, or read the book and then watch the movie? Um. Well, I think if you want any hope of liking the movie, you should watch the movie first. <laughs> All right. It's up to you. Yeah. All right. Well, so I'll give it a run. Speaking of movies. Speaking of movies. Man, I have this fucking... So, yeah. Not a lot of... um, Even if I... I mean, you're pretty firm in your your opinion on this fucking thing. Yeah, I mean, I... Not fucking pleased. We can can cement that and and put that on the scoreboard. I I have... I have been known to have strong opinions. This is this is chef level hate. <laughs> this is but chef not, level hate. Yes, only because I don't think it's as bad of a movie as Chef, but I cared more. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have I didn't care about the source material that Chef came out of. I just think Chef is a fucking mediocre Cisco heated up chocolate cake of a movie. <laughs> wow, well done. <laughs> you know, I, I did Katie Yvonne ever tell you that she and I and uh, and Leslie Brindley had a Slack channel devoted to a um uh we were we were gonna prank you. Did she tell you? Have you have you heard about this? <laughs> no. Oh, uh, all right. You know what? I'm gonna spill the fucking beans. We had this. It went it went on for months. Like we had everything fucking ironed out. All the details were ready to go, and we never pulled the trigger on. Uh, we were gonna. We had you coming in for something. The pl- we hadn't actually figured out when to get you. We were doing it for your birthday or for an, an like a, a company anniversary or something. I don't remember. But um, what's uh, – oh, I'm forgetting his last name now. Your man from Chef, John F. Oh, John Favreau. Favreau. We had, had planned a bunch of cutouts and we're going to fill all the conference room <laughs> windows facing out from the conference room and fucking hang John Favreau cutouts and we're going to just <laughs> – we're going to load the office with it and have you come in and like maybe slightly a bad mood and just to have a fucking – just 
have you hear your head explode <laughs> in the middle of the fucking in the middle of the room, surrounded by Favros. Man, we put uh, there was a lot of time, that, like a lot of back and forth. So we had it all ironed out where to get them printed. I can't believe we didn't just fucking do it. I don't know. We we spent too much time waiting for the right moment. We should have just fucking done it yeah. on a on a any given fucking Tuesday, you know. It would have been pretty hilarious, <laughs> that's for sure. Oh man. Anyway. Hey, let me ask you this. Um Yeah. What's your um I so I, it's summertime. I'm I'm no socks. I don't wear the socks in the summertime. Um I don't like Ooh. I don't like socks. I have so if you are going to wear socks though, I have to say I have found the mo- the most perfect like ankle height socks. Yeah. So there's this this brand called Y the letter Y Athletics Y Athletics. They have these ankle socks or like no show socks that are made with silver thread. So they have that odor fighting like silver threads. So you can wear like one pair of these socks, like four or five days in a row. They never smell like smart. And they're the most kind of shit a little bit. They're the most comfortable socks too, that you'll ever wear. Really? So yeah. Why athletics? Let me, hold they're, hold one. Uh, t- let me see it. Let me see it. I don't have, I'm not wearing it. Oh, you're not wearing it. <laughs> no. Um, I would, I would have liked to have seen the sock. Cause I have some, some socks like that, that, I'm not pleased with. So I'd be interested to try those out. So I just roll with no socks. Um, right. And it, it, I, th- I think, does that give, do you feel get banged up faster? Cause I was thinking when you were mentioning the homeless dude at the pizza place, I was like, <laughs> I was like, you know, I kind of felt like that dude <laughs> when you were t- like, I was painting a picture as you were telling the story. And I felt like that guy, a, Last week or the week before, Beth and I went to get pedicures, and the new style of pedicures, which I didn't fucking know, and she so delicately fucking informed me in front of everybody at the place. She's like, "This is how you do it now. This is this is the California way. This is the not the California way, but it was like <laughs> that was a terrible impersonation of her. By the way, she does not sound like that, and and doesn't even behave like that. That's the worst fucking. That's the worst." Yeah. But anyway, she's, you don't, I'm used to soaking the feet in the hot, right in the bath with the, with the pool going. Yep. Um, and then, you know, I got one foot in there. I get the massage chair going and you, you pull a foot out and, and you know, you get after it and you know, and that's what I'm used to now. Evidently the, the soak is out. There's no more soak. So you just come in there with your dirty, homeless, fucking foot covered Stinky in... Stinky-ass foot? Yeah. And we walk there. Why? We walked to the place. Evidently, it's not... It's it's more... It's, it's a sanitary thing. It's like... It, it's way cleaner. And I'll tell you the truth. So they come after you with a fucking... Like, How is it... Wait... How is it way cleaner to not wash your feet before you work out? That's what I said. And she, she, I should fucking, I feel like I should get her. She, I I just heard her making a grilled cheese out there. Um, (laughs) I did. She's out there fucking, I could smell it actually. Yeah. Uh, That may be burnt. I should get her in here to, 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 
Yeah, to fucking talk about it because she had me convinced. She's there's like a mold or some sort of like fucking or it carries over fucking dirt from the old from the from the last person or some shit. I don't fucking know. Wash that shit out, dude. I don't know, but I will say this: so you sit down in the new style, and it's this special like great. It's not a cheese grater, and I have actually I've had pedicures where they actually use a fucking cheese grater. Um, a super fine one, obviously, you know, but yeah, they use a cheese grater, but this is like a special, it's like sandpaper on a metal thing that they can, you know, add and remove the, the piece of sandpaper with adhesive on it. Um, and then it gets, it gets sterilized just like any barber tool or anything else that you get a pedicure with, but uh, it was fucking killer. It lasted forever. Um, and my feet were so nice, but it, it, are my feet getting are my feet getting homeless because I'm not wearing socks? Does that fuck them all up? I have no idea. I don't know. I, I just ask you because because you wear socks, I guess, right? I wear socks. I I so I have come in recent years. I don't even wear. I've gotten to the point where I will only wear flip flops in my own backyard. Oh yeah, I don't. With the I wear them. Yeah. I only wear them in Mexico. Flip flops. Are for the beach, and if you're on a boat, yeah, and in your own backyard, yeah. Otherwise, don't be wearing flip flops to a nice restaurant, dude. Are you fucking kidding me? I've I've stomped oh. on somebody's foot for. I mean, <laughs> to be honest with you, I actually I did that a, a couple of times. I've st- I've stepped on people's feet when they're wearing like flip flops at a show. Like you like fucking get. Here's what you get: is a fucking foot on top of that. You're fucking out right. of here. Um, and anyway, I have strong feelings on that. And yeah, yeah. You, you don't wear fucking sandals. What What are you? Get the fuck out of Go put shoes on. What are you going to do if some shit goes down and somebody yeah. fucking get out of here? I don't, I don't even wear flip flops on a flight to Mexico. No, on a fucking airplane. That's not uh, yeah. unacceptable. There are a lot of people who wear flip flops on a flight and then they take their flip flops off and they put their bare feet up on the seat or on Girl, the wall. If, if they have a bulkhead, cut a bitch. put them, their feet up on the bulkhead. I've seen it's it. Fucking gross. I've fucking I don't want to see your it. feet. It's so fucked. What fucking? Where the fuck are you from that you think that that's gonna that it is even acceptable? I don't do that. Like, I mean, I can't even think of a fucking situation where I do that. I don't fucking do that. Yeah. Unbelievable. I, I I feel I. I'm, I'd be shocked if I never, if I've never like accosted somebody for doing that. I, I, I would remember it if I did. I guess I haven't fucking blown anybody up for doing that. It, I'm shocked that I haven't because you're yeah. so offended I mean, by I, it. I, I've seen people blow people up on Twitter for it before, like shoot a photo and oh, post it to Twitter. That. I mean, you either confront somebody or you don't. You know, I mean, I've I've confronted people for fucking way less than that. I can't believe I've never done it for. For an actual, you know, you'd be in the right. Any fucking, any court in the land would fucking cut yep. your ass free. No fucking question. Here, let me, while we're on the subject, let me let me just throw this out for, for anybody who wants to have nice fucking, nice feet, nice soft feet. I love a fucking pedicure. I love it. I live, I, I you walk around like, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you just feel like a, you, it gives you youth for like, like 45 minutes, you feel younger. Oh my, you remember what it used to feel like 
to have nice and a facial or some or a back rub or whatever, you know. Um, right. But there's this <laughs> there's this fucking product that is out. Beth gets them. It's called Baby Foot. It's a Korean invention, um, and there's somebody doing it in the states now. They sell it at Target, um, and it's okay. a cellophane bag in the shape of a foot that you squeeze this fucking mix into, and you you mix it up. Right, you get this this. I, you know, I've only done it once, so I, I, to be honest, I don't remember, but it's almost like mixing an epoxy. Like you're making this caustic okay. substance and you put it, you you put your foot in there and then you, you have some way to cinch the top of it around your ankle, you know, and okay. you do that and you let it sit for an hour, uh, you know, something like that. Jesus. And then you take it okay. off, you rinse your feet, you take, you know, you take a shower, you take a bath and you and you, you get that shit off your foot. And then over the course of a week to 10 days, you're, it, it kills all of the dead skin on the bottom of your feet. So it just, I don't, I mean, who wants to know how? It's so, it's all chemicals. It's just fucking. Is it killing all the dead skin or all the live skin? Oh, dead skin. Like it, <laughs> okay. but, and when you're done with it, like it peels off these outside layers, um, and I say it's all chemicals. Somebody may fucking know. She may. She knows. I don't know. She wasn't. I don't know. I don't, it could be bad. It could be fine. I don't fucking yeah. know. But when so you're what, done with it, you got. What's the verdict? Yeah, a baby foot. It's fucking amazing. You have beautiful, brand new feet. <laughs> it's like you're. It's like you're a year and a half old, and you haven't even really walked on them yet. It, Jesus. It's beautiful. It's so good. That's crazy. Well, maybe when Kaya's here, we'll do because Kaya's coming next week. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's it, next you week. Guys, doing the summer Saturday, starting Saturday is the it's the the time. Oh, so yeah. fun! I love that you guys do that. It's awesome. It, so I I got a hot new show recommend for yeah, you. Yeah, gimme, gimme. Um, well, I I mean, relatively new. It's still in the first season. There's still three episodes left in the first season. On HBO. It's a show called Succession. Have you watched this I yet? I have not. No. Oh, I've man. seen the... Um, so, so good. I've seen all of the trailers and, you know, teasers. Um, and um, so the old man... Who's the old man in that? It's... Um, Brian Cox? It's Brian Cox. Yeah, right. Um yeah, man, it looks great, and, and I was drawn to it just mainly by him. It's a great idea. It's a it's a great concept. Um, yeah, that looks that looks fucking really good. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, is it going to so be for, episodic, yeah. like for multi season, or is it a contained? No, I think it's going to be multi season. So for anyone who who hasn't seen previews or whatever, this is a show about a guy who's essentially like a current day brilliant William Randolph Hearst. He's like a media super magnet, you know, or like a, um, I, I know in the UK there was like a guy who owned almost all of the media. I can't remember his fucking name, but he went down recently for all that spying stuff. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Anyway. So the concept is, it's this guy who owns like 
mostly old traditional media and their whole empire is being disrupted obviously by the media shifts towards online and new media and stuff like that. So he's this, um, a guy who's like starting to slip a little, you get some sort of signs of dementia or early warning signs of dementia. And, but he doesn't feel like he's got a, a proper successor in his family. His son, who he sort of promised to be a successor, he doesn't trust enough so there's like power struggles within the family to figure out who's going to take over this thing he's slipping he's too old he doesn't understand the new media landscape and so it's all these power dynamics within this family and that description doesn't do this thing justice because the writing is brilliant so first of all it's the guy who um did the big short oh that's right yeah it has it has one of the actors one of the young guys who is on steve carell's finance team in that is is the oldest not the oldest because the oldest son is the guy who played Cameron in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Right. And right. he's like a hippie who lives out on a fucking ranch. Yep. Like he's a he's not even remotely involved in the family business. He's just like living the like life of a wealthy hippie dilettante. Really? And then and then the second son who you kind of think of as the oldest son cuz this guy's like out of the picture. Um, is the guy who was in the big short. And then there's um, Kieran Culkin, who's actually a really good good actor. Mm-hmm. And then they have a sister who's this um, redheaded woman. Uh, you know, there's sort of like, there's vibes of them being an Irish kind of Catholic family okay. a little bit. Her name is Siobhan. They call her Shiv in, in the show, though. Anyways, it's interesting. So he's remarried and his wife is this sort of French Arab woman and she is you get the sense that she's sort of like a lady macbeth kind of okay. figure she's kind of running the show behind especially as he's like becomes less and less less cognitively able she's like you kind of get the sense she's covering for him but then at points you kind of get the sense that she's taking advantage of like she's using the this him failing as an excuse to sort of grab the reins a little bit mm. And so wow. to bring in more more of her people and swing loyalty her way and do all sorts of stuff like that. So it's that being said, you know, because it sounds really dark and really dramatic. It's so the writing is so awesome. I find myself laughing like in oh, a dark fun. sort of comedy. Kind yeah. of way. I find myself laughing a lot because there are wow. some like very funny, witty there. The dialogue is so well done and it's so awesome. It's so hard that, to do that. It's I don't yeah. I don't it's so hard to make something that engrossing and Yeah. So really, really high caliber TV. I don't I haven't really heard many other people that are watching the show, so I hope it's doing well. Because it's really good quality. Um and I doubt at this point if HBO their new fucking masters and overlords are telling them to crank out content at the rate of Netflix. I doubt they're going to kill anything at this point anyway, but right. Um, no shit. Session. Oh man. HBO. Watch it wherever you watch HBO stream it on go. I think there were eight episodes in and there's three more. So there's probably going to be like 10 or 11 in the season. Oh, killer. That's so good to hear. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know why I haven't been watching that. Well, here I'll actually, I do know why. We just, just fucking powered through, like, we suffered, I mean, it wasn't like we suffered because it was bad, um, but we just pushed all the way, <laughs> this is fucking so late to the game, but just finished Downton Abbey, like, 
and we'd started uh, from episode one and rewatched the whole thing. And I, I will say this, it's amazing. I love it. It's great, but it does not stand up to the, to a binge watch. Like it, right. it can't, because it's just too much. It's like, it's like fucking trying to ram a whole fucking cheesecake down your throat. Like it's just, it's so rich in just one particular way. You know what I mean? Yep. That you just, it doesn't fucking hold up. And it, it it just wasn't meant to be consumed that way. So we powered through that and finished it. And um, we've been watching Sharp Objects. You know, that that one, yeah. I, the pilot is fucking a punch in the gut. It's really fucking good. Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to watching that. So I told Kai I would wait to watch that until she got here. Oh. So that's one of, the, one of the things that we're watching in the evenings when we're pens down for the day. When did she so, come? Uh, Saturday. Oh, okay. So you'll have um, you'll have four to watch, and depending on when she leaves, you could maybe watch the la- you know the fifth one. Um, yeah. This is a contained series, um, similar to like all of all all of Kittredge, right? Yep. Um, or, which I uh, loved. Well, I yeah. love that. Did you guys watch um, Big Little Lies? Yeah, exactly. In that same yeah. that same format. That was so good. Oh man, man, it was fucking really great. Really, really yeah. great. Oh, well, I'm gonna have to watch it twice too. Because as soon as I watch it with Kai, I'm gonna have to watch it with Nicole again. Because she's gonna the sharp objects. Sharp objects. I don't even know if she knows that it exists, but as soon as I oh, tell she's her about it, she's gonna want to watch. Oh, it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Amy Adams, Patricia is Clarkson, amazing. Yeah. And she's yeah, in Patricia Clarkson too is so good. Oh, I'm so good. So fucking good. I love her. And she's so powerful and her, her character it's such a interesting character. And Amy Adams is an executive producer on the on on the show. Um I nice. I don't know anything. Oh, Jillian Welch is as well. Um Right. So it's those two. I, I know nothing about it. I haven't read about it at all. So I don't know what the hierarchy is. But it's obvious those two paired up and said, "Let's make it." You know, it's fucking really strong. the The pilot was was so powerful that um, episode two, you know, as always, had so much like weight to carry that it, you know. I don't know if it was my mood or what it was, but I watched it and I was like, uh, okay, I hope episode three is better than this, but it, 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 I could be off on that. I don't know that that's, it could be great. I don't know. I think I was in a bad mood. Right. Killer though. Well, I'll check it out. I'll let you know. Yeah. Let me know. know what, it- what else? How's it? So what's, um, what's happening the rest of the week? What are you doing? This, what do you got coming up? You got travel coming? You coming out here? No, no, not for a little bit yet. That's bullshit. I got um, some spots to take you. I got some, I got a bunch of spots on the list. So we got to make yeah, sure we get together the next time you come out. Yeah. So one last thing that I might talk about real, real quick, we'll have to keep this short is, um, you know, there's a lot of talk in recent years about how the sort of evil of, you know, having all of your music in the cloud and how it's not the same experience and no one listens to whole records anymore and all the like whinging about like, you know, it was so much better back in the day, yada, yada, yada. But I have to say the, I'm on the edge of my seat here. I love, I love this. (laughs) I love this. 
one of the new experiences that it has created for me. And there's, you know, there's always that talk about after they just re-released this report. It's like after the age of 27, like 90% of Americans stop seeking out new music or whatever. So one of the things that, that I have found about Spotify that I really love is kind of going down a, a sort of discovery hole in a certain genre of music. So pivoting off of like a given artist or something and finding, and I think I told you about this with this, a Minneapolis-based hip-hop artist named Corbin, how I discovered this entire that playlist world is of great. hip-hop yeah, that I didn't know existed. So I decided the other day that I was going to do, for the girls, uh, like a, a lady folk oh. playlist. Oh, man. I'm your, like, I'm your man. You know, I'm the biggest Lucinda Williams. In the room. Oh, I know all of this. <laughs> all of Lucinda these. Williams and Jillian Welch and all that stuff. But what happened was I started going down this this like people who like this also like this or related sure. artist thing and got, went down the Spotify hole and I discovered all of these really awesome female artists that I'd never heard of that have like 3000 monthly listeners, 5000 oh, yeah. monthly listeners and like really good songs. So I wanted to, uh, play a couple of these for you. Oh my god, this is I. This is my super weak spot for me that I almost had to like crush, mainly because of my wife. She f- gives me so much shit for my like for my love for like female folk singers from the nineties and two thousands. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I know all of them, like to an embarrassing kind of point. So I'm dying to hear what you got there. Yeah. So this is a song called Camilla by um, an artist named Caroline Herring. And it's, I, I love especially a like folk or a bluegrass song that tells a story. So this one tells a uh, sort of a story in the vein of a lot of those songs, but with a uniquely sort of female twist on it. Oh, yes. into like a pocket like Bonnie Raitt is in there a little bit and you know yeah. like there's solid rhythm in it. Who is that again? Uh, her name is Caroline Herring H-E-R-R-I-N-G and the song is called Camilla um, Let me play one more for you. This is a woman I'd never 
and that, by the way, that Caroline Heron woman has like multiple tracks that are easily that good. So awesome stuff. Um, actually, I'm going to play two more, but I'll make it quick. She, she, have you ever heard? Sorry, and you, were, you. This is one of the ones you were describing that has like three thousand monthly listeners. Yeah. yeah, not not a ton of attention. That's great. Yeah. So, um, uh, there's this woman called Diana Jones who has a song. Have you ever heard of this woman, Diana Jones? No. Nope. Um, the so- the track is called All My Money on You. Down on my luck, getting my wheel of hope run dry. Only one game left in town and I'm down to my last dime. I put all my money on you. Inside my vest, lucky sevens up my sleeve and fade to the rest. I put all my money on you, put all my money on you. Might be the hardest thing I do. Who's so? Who's that? Diana Jones. I'll tell you what, man. We should do. Sorry, I'm writing this down. Um, w- w- let's do a shared playlist for this on Spotify. Sure, because I got, we'll I, will, I will, I bla- will. I've got a bunch for, and awesome. just hearing this reminds me yeah. of a bunch of stuff. I wanted to create it for the girls. They're in a camp this week called She Rock. That's like where they're they're both joining bands and like writing original songs with other girls think, for the week. And so. you know what? This is per. Yeah, this is it's such a great thing for young people to listen to because the instruments are so um distinctive and and they're normally right. very proficient you know um you got to be good to play that kind of music and pull it off like you can't be a slouch you know um so that's All right, i'm gonna play good for kids one, yep i'm gonna play one more real quick it's this woman named pieta p-i-e-t-a pieta brown and this song is called do you know Produced than the other ones. This is a. Damn, that's really good. Fucking nice one, Frost. Yeah. Good picks so, you got there. That's that's the power of Spotify right there. Oh, I love it. Hey, um before 
not to cut that one short, but um, I, I did have a, a music pick I got to throw out that I just I just got the yeah all three of the releases from Forced Exposure, which is one of my favorite online spots for music. Forced ex- Forced Exposure is they're unbelievable out of Arlington. Great curation um, along the lines of other music. They they kind of filled the gap that when other music closed, you know, three four years ago. Um, for me, forced exposure kind of took over. Um, but there, there's a series, Shaolin Soul, episode one, two, and three. They're two LP releases of original soul recordings that were sampled by the Wu Tang Clan, and I, I know I. Strange that I've been talked about them earlier and now, well, maybe not so because I was thinking of this and I want to talk about it. Um, there's fucking so good and they're 98% of it is on Spotify. So just, just hit up Shaolin soul on a search and it's either a playlist or whatever there. A bunch of it is, it actually is now that I think of it, cause there are compilations. So people have, you know, have built the compilation playlists in Spotify and they're fucking killer. It's so fucking good. So good. I haven't been that excited about, uh, comps and I can't remember the last time. They're really good. Awesome. Yeah. Definitely check that out. All right, man, we're at, we're at hour and a half here. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. We're long, long episode. So thanks everyone for tuning in. Thanks as always to Kaya Fisher for the audio engineering assistance. And uh, we will catch you next time. If you get a chance, please go give us a star rating or a review in iTunes. It really helps other people discover the podcast. Um, And at some point, I know that, I think at some point, people have told me that they've reviewed it and it hasn't showed up in iTunes. So I think at some point, iTunes wasn't registering uh, ratings and reviews properly. So if you did it, go check, see if it's there. If not, we'd... I know it's annoying, but we'd really appreciate it if you do it again. Yeah, for sure. So, Thank you. Otherwise, we will catch you next time. All right, man. Thanks, Good everyone. talking to you. You too.